Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
There you go. Do you meditate at all? I've tried. I've tried to because it's hard. I actually managed to to like actually meditate once. Because like people always say like like you lose sort of like track of time in that when you when you get to do it and you feel like a you know clarity or whatever. It was when I was back in Spain. And I had like four hours to kill and I was in town and I was like, oh God, what do I do? And I just sat next to the ocean and just closed my eyes. And then I opened my eyes and it was like 20 minutes had gone by and I was like, oh wow, I actually meditated there. That was good. <laughs> but I've never managed to do it again. Have you tried to do it again? It just doesn't pan out? or? Yeah, 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 yeah. I try sometimes, you know, but it's not, it's not something that I do regularly, you know. Why do you think it worked that time? Was it the ocean or what was it that was kind of feeding into that? I don't know, man. Probably probably the weather had to do, had a lot to do with it, yeah. Because it was nice and warm and sunny and I could hear the waves, you know, and I was quite, you know. <laughs> Does that ever happen when you're, you're making music? You know, you're speaking about that there where like 20 minutes kind of just disappeared. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll be writing a song or recording a flat, and it's been like three hours and I have no idea, you know. <laughs> Is there anything else in life that can do that, or is it kind of just are those the only two times you really experience time just getting sucked away like that? Well, obviously, when you're with like, that's what they say, you know, like time flies when you're when you're having fun, you know. So when you're with your pals and that, I get, I guess it can feel like that, but yeah, nothing like when you're making music for me at least, definitely. I mean, I, I guess the reason I was asking about meditating is because of the opening track on the new record. Oh yeah. <laughs> That that song's more kind of about a specific person, though. Kind of a song written, or it yeah. felt that way. How does writing a song with a person in mind kind of impact the way that you approach it and you approach the writing of it? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's an interesting question. I mean, like the thing with that song is like, uh, like the the whole album, as you probably know already, it's about like going through a breakup and shit. But like. I, I never, like, I always have, like, certain experiences and certain, like, memories in mind, but I always try to, like, make it a bit more general and a bit more relatable when I'm writing it. Like, I get the general idea for it, and you get the general feeling for whatever you want to, like, whatever I want to talk about. Once I get that mood, I'm like, okay, like, I never write pur- purposefully, like, all oh, this line's about you, you know? <laughs> It's always it's just to get me into that mood, and then I try to make it as like relatable, I guess, as possible. How do you, is that? Do you start thinking about the listener at that point, or is that does that not really come in when you're speaking about trying to make it as relatable as possible? I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Especially with meditation, because like like in the end, I'm saying that like that person is my form of meditation. You know, that like that really wasn't about anyone. That was more about like the ideal of that person. You know, like the the perfect partner or whatever that like you know you can like go to them and it's like everything's okay you know yeah just someone who has that ability to make everything all right and kind of clear your head and kind of yeah reset yeah yeah can music ever do that what kind of role does it have when it comes to kind of like mental health and in that idea of like kind of just resetting going back to base level oh definitely definitely think i can do that I've got some fireworks. I was going to say, sorry, yeah, someone's setting off fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, four o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday. Classic Glasgow. There's no Guy Fox night yet, is it? No. <laughs> no, it's got a while away yet. <laughs> oh, um, what was the question, sorry? Can, can music play that role for your mental health? Like that idea of bringing you mm. back to base level and, and reset? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, it, I don't think it happens that much to me because I like maybe I'm wrong, you know. But like, I can imagine a lot of people that make music have like like all of these like healing qualities and like all this mysticism about music sort of like doesn't really work anymore because we just listen to music constantly and we listen to it from a different perspective, you know. But for a lot of people, yeah, yeah, I can imagine it does. Has the way you listen to music changed as you've kind of grown up? Yes, yeah, definitely. I mean, usually I would listen to music mostly like while traveling, either to school or like work or whatever. And obviously, with this pandemic happening, we can't really go anywhere. I've started to listen to less music, just not even because I want to, you know, just because it doesn't really happen, like. But yeah, no, therefore, like, when I was younger, sometimes I would just, like, stick on an album, uh, like, just in the house, and I would sit and listen to it. I can't really do that anymore. I don't know why. I need to be doing something else, <laughs> you know? It's, it's half, like, half listening to music all the time and half just being anxious and being like, oh, I need to be productive all the time. Oh, I need to do something, you know? The tracklist themselves tell a narrative, and I know we're speaking a wee bit about it being a breakup record. Are all the songs about the one person? Uh, no, 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 no. It's more about what I was going through in my head at the time, you know, like, well, also, like, some of the songs are older songs that never made the, like, never made it for quiche. I write a lot of stuff, and the band goes to, like, to a different pace, so there's always going to be, like, leftover stuff that we never even touch, so, like, I think there's two songs in the album that are leftovers. But I felt like the lyrics and the sort of the general theme went well with the rest of the stuff. So I was like, I'll just stick it in there and give it a second life, sort of. But yeah, no, um, it's more that it's just more about the general sort of mental process I went through after that breakup, you know. Did you write it at the time or did you write it kind of looking back on it? I think it was a year. Yeah, it was about a year after. So yeah, definitely looking back on it. How had your headspace kind of changed in that year from the specific moment or that kind of period in your life? Oh, loads, man. Like, coincidentally, when that stopped, we started doing loads of stuff with Quiche, you know? And that just, that made me be way more, like, secure in myself and just feel much better about myself. So after that whole year of, like, things happening and recording and going and meeting people and stuff, you really do get like a different perspective and you go like whoa okay and you can sort of like look at all that from like a passenger seat instead of like having to like oh you know work all that through and you can sort of like take a step back and say oh okay so that's that's the way it went you get a slight sense of finality from it as well when you do that though you're not in the midst of it so you can kind of wrap it up and you can have it be a more kind of whole thing that kind of has a start and has a finish and goes on a journey throughout yeah yeah, yeah, totally. And even for me as well, like, it's just a way to, like, close a chapter, in a way, you know. Did it help with the closure of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. Just getting all those thoughts out and sticking them into a song, you know, it's like, it's good. <laughs> good for my head. <laughs> had, you, had you communicated them out with music, or was this the first time that you kind of put them into words and put them into the world in that way was it something you'd spoken about before you were on to like working the song working on the songs oh no yeah yeah totally totally i am the kind of person that will talk about it you know i'll find 
I'll speak to like some of my pals from home, you know, like good old pals. You know, you can always talk to them. So yeah, I'm therefore a, a talker. I guess it, it's kind of then, by the time you come around to writing the song, you've you've started the communication process. Like you've already kind of started to work out what you want to say with it because you've had to vocalize it to someone else. Yeah, 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 exactly, man. At what point did the did the story of the album emerge for you, and did you kind of work out where you wanted it to begin and end, and what you did you have of certain things that you wanted to discuss in it about that experience, and certain things that you felt needed to be there and present? Uh, not really. Like it wasn't. It wasn't as. It wasn't really that much like planned at all. It's all like all came sort of together when I did meditation and last goodbye, which is the last song in the album. Because they're quite similar. They're basically the same sort of chord or like chords in the verse, but they're, I think it's like a tone or two tones up, the last song. So it's sort of like the same theme. You know, when I wrote those two songs, I was like, oh, wait a second. I could put this here, 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 and that makes a thing, you know? (laughs) So good. They're slightly slightly different in emotion when they tackle the same thing. Like The Last Goodbye feels. It's got a slight tinge of kind of hope and optimism about it and kind of look into the future, whereas yeah. meditation feels slightly more mournful. And it, although I know we're speaking about it's a hypothetical person, it does kind of have a sense that it's looking back in a slightly gloomy, not gloomy, but more downcast way, overcast way. Yeah, yeah, like a sad nostalgia sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it represents quite well the sort of like the process of a breakup. You know, you start sort of looking back on all the good times, and you're like sad because you can't, you're not gonna have them anymore, or whatever. And then at the end, you know, you just realize that like, just life's life moves on, you know, and you you just people go through this, and you just do it, and you learn from it. At what point? How long does it usually take for you? Not even just necessarily about. A breakup, but in life, how long does it take for you to start to feel nostalgia about something that's happened? What's the kind of time frame? How long do you have to wait after an experience before you start to get that that tinge of nostalgia coming in when you think about that memory? I guess I've, I mean I couldn't tell you exactly, but I mean I guess early about when when the memories stop feeling fresh. I guess I, I, I don't know if it's like a year or six months or whatever. It depends on what you're up to at, at the time. You know, if you're busy or not. Have you ever been in a moment before where something's happening and it's a really kind of joyous experience and you get that really weird tinge of like slightly a slightly depressing thought that I'm going to feel nostalgia for this pretty soon and you, you're kind of aware <laughs> that it's like slipping, you know, slipping away? Yeah, yeah, that does happen. That does happen. It's weird. You know, I try, I try to, that, that's one thing I've learned. Like I try to be in the moment as much as I can. You know, and I think people should really do that as well, especially with this lockdown business. Like, the more present we are, the better. Because you know, at least for me, if I think too much about the future or the past, I just get just get the fear. You know, I think it's the if you're thinking about the past a lot, you end up getting depressed. If you're thinking about the future too much, you end up getting anxiety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's it. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> It's true though. Like it's a yeah. At what point did you start feel like you? What, what at what point did you kind of come to that realization that living in the moment was kind of the best way to go about things? Have you always done that? Have you always been someone who's quite present? Um, I I was I was up to like I don't know probably like because when we were young, it was about like four years ago maybe when that relationship started. Actually, that's when it. I, I don't know if it's because it it coincided with like me growing up. Or, or if it's just a random occurrence, but 
when that started um, growing up and stuff, it's like just the more worries you have in your head, I think the less pressing you are, like, especially with like, oh, I need a job. What am I going to work? You know, what am I going to work on next? Like all these like adult questions are definitely uh, an anxiety trigger or depression trigger, depending on what you're focusing on but yeah you think being a musician makes you think more about the past or the future definitely the future for me i mean I've, I've i have wanted to be a musician since i was quite young before i left school it was all like very far away still and i wasn't really thinking about it properly i was just more like dreaming about it now when you get to this it's like oh shit was yeah. that part of what fueled the move to glasgow to try and get a wee bit closer to kind of what was going on yeah yeah exactly Exactly, man. But I didn't even, like, I, I, really I moved to Glasgow because of SAS, you know, because I didn't pay, I didn't pay uni fees because of the whole EU student thing, which is probably going to go now with Brexit, but. When did you move here? Uh, September 2013. Oh man, that's a while, I didn't realise you'd been here mm-hmm. a while back. Yeah, yeah, seven years, man. It doesn't feel like seven years. <laughs> <laughs> How was that when you first came over and started off? Because I imagine it's quite a... A culture shock. Yeah, yeah. And the, especially coming from the Canaries, because like, even in mainland Spain, there's like a bit more of a music scene when it comes to like bands and that. And in the Canaries, oh my God, man. Like, we, like, when, I was, when I was there and when I was doing my old band there, I didn't really know anyone my age who was in bands at all. Like, maybe a few people, but like, it wasn't very... It wasn't as normal as here, you know, like, I moved here and I was like, wow, there's, like, shit happening everywhere all the time. There's so many people, so many bands, like, yeah, definitely a culture shock. Was everyone that was in bands older? Were there a lot of bands kicking about in Canaries, or what was the connection? Uh, no, not really, yeah. like, mostly, mostly you get, like, just older people doing, like, blues cover bands and stuff like that, you know, mostly for, like tourists you know did you manage to find any inspiration in that or was it not particularly no not really not really like when i discovered arctic monkeys when i was about 15 or 14 actually my cousin showed me it i i totally like i was just obsessed with indie rock obsessed with the uk scene like just absolutely obsessed with it and yeah i completely disregarded everything that was happening (laughs) where i was you know physically and I was just like, oh, the UK, this fable land of music and fun, you know. <laughs> I always find it fascinating how they resonate, or that first record in particular resonates all over the globe when it's so, like you say, kind of specific to Britain. Like a lot of the references and stuff in it are so tied to this culture, but yet it has this ability to impact people everywhere in completely different. What do you think, what was it that was striking you about it? What was it that was hitting you and, and inspiring you? Well, actually, the first thing I heard of them was Humbug, Crying Lightning, that tune. Man. That was, I remember see, I remember my cousin showed me the song, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. And then I remember it was on MTV, they were playing the music video. And I was like, oh, that, that, this is that song that she showed me. Shit. And I just like listened to it for like a whole week, nonstop. I don't know what it is, man. I think, it, I think it's probably, I mean, they were sort of like, one of the big indie rock bands, you know. So it was, I think, they were the first band 
the first like indie rock band that I ever like properly discovered and and loved. You know, because before then I was like, I had a rap face, <laughs> and I was also into like System of a Down so much. I still I still <laughs> am, by the way, one of my favorite bands, no no doubt. But yeah, I don't know. I was into Green Day quite a lot as well, but that never really like grabbed me as much. Like, I think it was just the coincidence of me being fifteen and discovering indie rock, which is a very like teenager sort of thing, isn't it? I mean, over those, I know you kind of mentioned going through a rap business and System of a Down and Green Day Night of Monkeys. I feel like the common thread is that there's a real kind of controlled, chaotic energy there present in all of those bands that's kind of channeled and so explosive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this record is kind of the polar opposite of that. It's a much kind of softer, more intimate offering, kind of hazy. Is that kind of tapping into a different side of you than the, the side that loves all those indie bands? Or where is it, where is it coming from? Uh, yeah, no, totally. It's totally a different different side of me before like the year before i wrote those songs i was i discovered wilco and i'd never listened to them before in my life i don't know how that happened but i never listened to anything i think it was chris mccrory who showed me so jeff tweedy is that there from his name yeah yeah yeah, jeff tweedy i mean the to be honest this album is sort of like a concept thing that i I wanted to do just because i was really into wilco at the time and and you know the sort of like acoustic slash band thing, you know, like Andy Schauf and that sort of yeah. thing. So yeah, I just thought, why not? I could probably do this. Let's let's give it a shot. But I don't know. I, I like a lot of stuff. Like with Quiche, we're ex- I think we're exploring more of that dramatic sort of side of me with Quiche. We're trying to be a bit more rock band in that sense, I guess. It's interesting that there were a couple of key songs that didn't make it to that group that kind of came here. What songs was that on the record? What two tracks is that? Um, it's uh, Scared, which was called Cardboard Sunset, but we changed the title so it wasn't confusing for people. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one is Time to Go. I, I could hear Time to Go. It's kind of a wee bit heavier. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. I mean, you could tell I was trying to play that with the band you know there's a bit more like electric guitars and stuff but i don't know i didn't feel it didn't feel like it would be a good yeah i don't think it's like the quiche vibe at all it's like way more like shoegazy sort of that song reminds me of yuck a lot which i've also been into for a long time were there versions of either of those songs that existed as quiche songs or did they never really get that far No. no Never, we never. I don't think we ever. I think time to go. We practice that a few times, but it never really, it never really took off. Yeah. How do you think taking those two tracks out of that kind of soundscape though, and, and putting them into this kind of slightly hazier, nostalgic thing, affects the way like the kind of emotional core of them is, and how that kind of oh, yeah. impacts the listener? How does that? How does that work? What kind of impact does it have? It's just sort of like the way you dress it. Because, like, in the end, you can take any song and, like, strip it down to a voice and an acoustic guitar. And I guess part of songwriting is realising what... I mean, obviously, everyone's process is different, but if you have a song with lyrics and you already have, like, an emotion that you're, like, conveying with it, a big part of conveying said emotion is dressing it well. I imagine it like a doll. Like, imagine a naked doll. There would be, like, the song with an acoustic guitar and vocals and then you can put like a cowboy hat on it or like a leather jacket on it you know and you dress it in a certain way 
Does it always start with the core of the song then in the lyrics? It, it never begins where you might have a soundscape and, and kind of put words atop it. Yeah, no, usually usually I leave lyrics till the end unless I'm very inspired and something comes up because I think I'm pretty bad at lyrics generally. Like a part of it is because I'm Spanish and I'm like writing something and I'm like, does this even make any sense in English? Like, I don't know, I need to look it up. You know, <laughs> I need to look up what I'm writing because I don't want to make a fool of myself. And that can be really beautiful because it gives it a slightly different perspective and it has a slightly different flow to it. Like the way that you hear the English language as it being your second language will be different to the way that I hear it and you'll probably hear like a different kind of musicality yeah. in it that yeah, can then translate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, that's that's my excuse, you know, when I 
when I say things wrong, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not saying it wrong. I'm just, I'm just a poet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you originally start writing songs in Spanish? No, that's, that's one thing. Cause I have had people ask me before if I would, or if I had, and I've never written a song in Spanish ever. I don't know why. It just never happened. And you've been kind of like speaking English all your life as well? More or less, yeah. I, I learned it in school. And apart from that, I have family from Southampton. And they used to come to the Canaries in the summers and that when I was really, really wee. So I guess I got like used to hearing it. And apart from that, I mean, my parents showed me like Beatles and Queen when I was... That's like my first musical memories. So I don't know. I guess I've got... Like a good ear for it, or for languages in general. I don't know. When they first showed you like Beatles and Queen, uh, well, well I think if you're saying you're quite weird, I take it you weren't 100% kind of fully versed in English at that point. How do you think that affected the way that you responded to them? What was it about those songs that was translating, even though you couldn't understand the exact meaning of what was oh, being said in them? Definitely just the energy and the, the music, particularly the music, man, because you know, like when you're really young. And you hear things for the first time is like way more impactful. I don't know. Like I, I actually have a memory of like playing during break, just playing outside and fucking singing the lyrics to "We Will Rock You," but making them up. But in my head, I'm like, yeah, this is this is what it is, you know. And it's just this tune. But yeah, it's not even. That's why I don't think I don't worry too much about the lyrics because at the end of the day, it's the whole thing, you know that that people are going to listen to the whole song and a lot of people don't even pay attention to the lyrics so and i think especially when you mentioned that we will rock you there the the core kind of driver of that is the melody and it is the kind of rhythm of it and the intensity and the energy and the intent yeah exactly exactly man. so was this record i mean when it, or i know we've been speaking with about the presentation when it comes to the recording of it what about was it was most of this kind of done at home yeah yeah i did the drums at our rehearsal space but the rest of it I did at home, yeah. How had your headspace changed from when you finished writing the songs to when you finished recording them? Like, over the kind of process of properly assembling the album, how did your kind of headspace shift in relationship to the songs? I mean, because see the thing, like, when I when I record demos, they're, like, quite... Like, well, depends on how, how much time I've spent with them, but, like, usually I'll, I'll really get into it when I'm doing demos, and I layer it quite a lot and I add a lot of stuff like I could I was even thinking of just releasing the demos as the album because I was like I mean it's all done but I'm just gonna have to record everything again like put it out but but no the like the only thing the only reason I didn't do that is because the demos have midi drums and that just it's just not nice you know <laughs> doesn't have the same so, warmth yeah no nah, yeah totally it's just not the same sound at all you know, I mixed the album and that, like, I'm, I'm sure that I'm going to look back on it next year and I'm going to be like, oh my God, I should have mixed it differently or whatever, you know. And obviously you go, you know, you go to the studio vacation stuff and your other projects, making this one at home or working on it and recording it at home, how did your, how did, did it feel differently working on it when you were in that space as opposed to being in a studio? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because when I'm at home, I'm very comfortable and I can just sit and do it the whole day if I want to. You know, I can take a break, I can go make a coffee, I can do whatever. But when you're in the studio, well, first of all, every second you're in it is money. 
you know, you're paying for the time, so you need to, you know, make the most of the time. And also recording with a band, especially if you're recording live, is like a totally different experience. Because it's not just you, you know, you know, you need to work with everyone and everyone needs to work with each other to make sure everything's cool and tight, you know. But but yeah, recording myself, I I would say I prefer it, but it's just a different experience, really. Uh, I guess I prefer it because I, I do like being by myself, generally speaking. But but yeah, very different, very different. Were there things you learned from, from working on this record yourself that you wouldn't have learned had you done it? like as part of a collective were there new kind of lessons that you took from it well the biggest lesson is yeah have like a have like a specific schedule you know and and like actually say like right i'm gonna finish this in two weeks or like in a month whatever time frame you set for yourself because that's like i could have finished it a while ago but i just took my time with it and i was just doing it when i felt like it and that's fine but in the future i'm definitely gonna say like right I'm going to take this much time to do it and I need to finish it by this. That, po- that possibly feeds into it a little bit though. That's it. it is quite a language kind of reckon. It's quite relaxed and it, it feels like quite a natural way of kind of presenting the the story of it by as a result of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you can tell through the recordings that I was quite relaxed when I was doing it. Therefore, <laughs> therefore took my time with it. Where is Bandama Drive? for you as a place right so the place i grew up well not really grew up but like the place where my parents live now is like the area is called bandama the drive thing is um the last three the last three or four addresses i've left in glasgow have had the drive like they've been drives so i'm kind of playing with like the whole like memory lane thing you know like it's a mixture of like the past and sort of the present Bandama Drive, you know. And that's like he- that headspace of like looking back and looking forward. Do you think about home quite a lot? Not really, to be honest. Like <laughs> not, not normally. Like during the lockdown, I have been thinking about it a lot because I was going to go back for summer, but that didn't happen. So yeah, I, I do kind of miss it these days, but not not that often, really, when I'm, when I'm busy here because I'm sort of lost in the lost in the moment i feel like as soon as once you get into that place when you're in a band where you start putting things in the calendar and you start working towards things and planning time just seems to speed up because you're constantly yeah. like moving on from one thing to the next and it just accelerates faster and faster and faster yeah exactly like 2019 was like that for me therefore does it change them when you do go back home does that switch when you suddenly you have like a period of kind of time where you're where you're in one place does that idea of things kind of accelerating constantly moving forward does that kind of fall away a wee bit and it becomes a more natural kind of just space or how does time kind of differ when you're back there? I always say to my friends, because they, like, they never, people, like my friends from Scotland, they never, well, like the first reaction when I tell people I'm from the Canaries is, why are you here? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, well, I can do what I want to do if I'm there, you know, so I'm here. But therefore, like once, one thing I always say to my friends is like, when I'm there, time just stops really everything's like my times are like posses which i guess it can be good at times you know when i'm like oh i need a break i can go back and you know chill for a bit but i can't be back home for longer than a week otherwise i start feeling like 
it's a mixture of like fear of missing out and anxiety you know like what am i doing here i need to be there and like going to places or like writing more or whatever you know it can go the other way as well though like when i think about home you often it's weird whenever you go back and everyone else has kind of moved on and developed and like, or sometimes even the way that things just stay the same yeah like you go back exactly. and all these people are kind of still in the same place and you've changed and moved on quite a bit and it can be jarring yeah definitely. because you've you've changed and everyone else has stayed the same and you kind of need to change together in order to stay friends with people yeah yeah totally totally a lot of friends i mean people that i used to hang out a lot with i don't really talk to at all anymore you know but i guess that those things happen but but yeah i get you like a lot of people that were in my school are basically just, as you say, doing the same thing as they've always done and just staying with the parents or whatever, which is fine. But, like, I, I, I feel like I'm definitely going through, like, a different... I'm, like, I'm doing a totally different thing, you know, and it's, it stops being relatable. Yeah, it's quite strange. When you go back home, do you learn things about yourself? Like when you speak to these other people and notice that they haven't changed, do you kind of get a reflection and see how you have changed as a result of that? Definitely. I mean, in a lot of senses, like particularly politics. I don't want to get too much into it, but, you know, like you you grow up with like your friends and then everyone sort of like separates and does their own path. And then when we meet again, we've had like different experiences and stuff and we think differently about things, you know. And you realize, like, whoa, this guy, this guy, same some stuff that I never thought he would say, but well, and I guess they think they could think the same about me, you know. But yeah, that's that's just the way it is. Yeah, I get you. I think when you're in that place, it's a little bit. I don't know. I've never. I've been to the Canary Islands. I don't know how it'd be like to live there, but maybe a wee bit cut off and kind of its own community and its own thing. Yeah. So you kind of maybe get views that aren't particularly accepted elsewhere that are still able to circulate there quite yeah. freely yeah 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 man. i think i feel like i'm more outspoken about things i disagree with or feel are wrong now which is what often causes clashes when i go back yeah people who i was maybe at school with that say things that i don't agree with i would have just let happen and now i feel more compelled to argue with people about it or not argue but have a discussion maybe yeah have a discussion yeah 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 totally and we've had like we've, we've fallen out over things but at the end of the day we did like grow up together so you you kind of just learn to to live with it you know because like at the end of the day you the like what you want is to like not even to like get them to your side but just to see just to see both the both like both sides of the coin you know to like be able to empathize with people but you can't force that onto people so you just have to kind of learn to let it be when when it needs to just be for a bit and then maybe come back to it later on yeah for sure i mean the one thing i would say is that these people are always quite open to discussion because they think they're right they want to speak about it so it does yeah it does make it easier to speak about it in some ways but yeah i don't know People are always going to disagree. It can be interesting to have these conversations that, like you say, and see the other side of the coin. Do you think your views would have been quite different to what they are now if you'd stayed there? Maybe, man. Probably. Yeah, like, I, like I went to a private school, right? And they weren't particularly, like, right-wing or left-wing or whatever, but they, like, they were 
mostly like like very open people they they did teach us to be quite open to things in general so but even then like a lot of people have just like still stayed in that sort of bubble of privilege i guess and not really like even made an effort to like meet other people outside of that bubble and i'm not saying that i'm i'm here like the fucking you know <laughs> like appear know everything about everyone and stuff but like i don't know i like to think that i can be em- empathetic with different you know i feel like after you leave school as well class becomes a much bigger thing than it was in school like when i was in school i don't really recall anybody speaking about it you know some people lived in bigger houses some people lived in mm-hmm. smaller ones and it wasn't really a thing and then you I remember i left school at 17 to go to uni and you go to uni at 17 and suddenly that seemed to be a thing that everybody spoke about all the time was like how much mm-hmm. money people had and it was a, a, a weird kind of knee-jerk turn yeah i guess once everyone starts caring for themselves they become a lot more impassioned about it and spiteful in some cases and open in others yeah yeah totally man like that's the thing about this like no one really this like chooses where when like where like in what conditions they they were born and like who your parents who your parents are and what do they do for a job and what house you live in and that but it's that approach you know like I, I have been like defensive about it in the past but at the end of the day it's just it's just that it's just learning to be open and to like not assume things just because of your background you know don't judge people because because their parents do whatever you know just judge them by their actions and what they say was there ever like a, a movement or a subculture that you felt like a particular affinity with growing up um no not really not at all man like that's one thing that was also quite a difference maybe just because i because i went to private school in spain but like we never had like the emos or like the goths or whatever and the nets and blah 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 you know like i never really like I, I like a lot of different music i'm like my my tastes are quite eclectic but but i was never a part of like a scene at all i was just i've just been me this whole time <laughs> there's something quite nice about that though. kind of be a, a melting pot of all these different ideas mm-hmm. and cultures and opinions and i guess that kind of ties into what you're saying about being quite open mm-hmm yeah, yeah, totally. When was the last time you heard the record? That's the way it came out. When did you last listen to it? I don't know. Oh, in fact, I think I last week I had to change the master. So yeah, probably last week I had to change a wee thing there. But when you when you listen to it, what song provokes the strongest emotional reaction for you? Probably I don't know. Probably meditation. I don't know what it is about that song, but like, I guess it just sets the mood right. You know, it gets me into that sort of headspace it feels quite pure like it's quite it's like a it's a very kind of whole idea yeah yeah that song came out quite fast actually when i wrote it i actually remember because usually i'll write music first and then a slap lyrics on top whatever it is but this i think this one was one of the ones that i came up with with the sort of like main riff idea and then i did like a little like singing melody thing and then i was like oh well that can actually work and it just you know it just sort of happened maybe that's part of it the idea that it kind of just flowed out and was this kind of fully formed thing from the beginning yep yeah if you had to dedicate the record to someone who would you dedicate it to 
Mm, probably to myself, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> like, I don't know. Because it's more of like, it's kind of like writing a diary in a way. You know, like I'm putting down all these feelings. And then when I go back to it, I'm like, right, okay. I was, like, I was feeling that, you know. It's, I don't know, it's just just a bit of a reminder to just chill out and move on, you know. I could not release the inspiration till you asked me to. Came at your body relentlessly throughout the year. A stranger to familiar and not enough But I once saw The touch of your velvet hand upon my face And I recall Velvet gloves and spit in your embrace And I wanted nothing Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.